Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. recovery sort of i think i start with all right or so every goddamn week i don't know why it's how i lead a sentence maybe i should just say welcome back to recovery sort of i have no idea but i'm jason i'm a guy in long-term recovery and i'm billy i'm also a person in long-term abstinence-based recovery oh man now we're throwing some disclaimers i want to make mine like five minutes long (laughs) long-term abstinence-based 12-step modality recovery like i don't know um so we're gonna get into sponsorship today at some point but first we're gonna you know, recap some of the things from last week. Some people had things to say and, and talk about stuff like we always do. I do want to say that I went ahead and I just, I couldn't help myself. I bought my fucking rubber ducky for the Voices of Hope rubber <laughs> ducky race. I cannot explain why this is so fun to me. I have no idea. It, I don't know. The concept just seems hilarious. And yeah. so uh, I encourage everyone, if they're interested, to get on the, the Voices of Hope in Cecil County website. And it was a weird process. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was it, like I just did it through paypal it was like just said donate five dollars through paypal i guess they get my paypal information from that and they can pay me back through that i don't know yeah seemed a little sketchy i was like oh i don't know about this but uh i do trust the people doing that that they'll do the right thing so yeah i don't don't know why the rubber ducky race Uh, oh and i wanted to say actually i went and uh downloaded the jimmy's chicken shack song that high that we listened to i put that on my uh workout routine you know music my workout music so i put that in there fits in good it's got a up tempo yeah you know sweet i like what he talks about in there too i mean he obviously not that he's talking about getting high but he's talking about what that does for us right Mm -hmm. it it, like what does he say uh make light of the weight right like it kind of relieves some tension on him make light of the weight time off from hell you know i'm like yeah that's that's exactly why i use to get away from all that fucking self-hate so if you're looking for a good workout song you can add that to the rotation there you go or if you just want to relive 1999 (laughs) yeah whatever either way i like it um so we we did get a message from stephanie hadn't heard from her for a couple weeks uh, she had some stuff going on in her life, but she really appreciated the uh, furniture analogy. And I, I definitely, I mean, I've already used it when I shared a meeting. Um, I thought it was kind of fucking brilliant, too. I actually shared it with a sponsee on the phone the other day, too. I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm going to act like this one's mine for sure. <laughs> yeah, so useful. Um, but no, uh, you know, thank you for giving us that, dude. That was really good. I, I, I do think it's so awesome that you have a not god perspective on a lot of this i think most people don't get to hear that it's why a lot of people tend to think that the anonymous programs are very religious like it's because we don't hear a lot of uh you know this is what people who don't believe in god 
how they do it. Um, and so it's great that you're you're putting this stuff out there for people. Well, thank you. And uh, it's funny. We were just talking about this before. So I originally heard my wife had used this furniture analogy in a different context. And so I told her that I kind of stole it and said it on the podcast. And then she's like, I don't remember saying that at all. <laughs> she said, if I said it, I don't remember. So I don't care. So I was going to come and give her credit. And now she said, I don't even remember saying it. So maybe she didn't say it. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. Nothing that I say is unique. It's all just regurgitated from something else, some other input in my life. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So Billy was at the meeting I shared Wednesday, and I gave him credit for it at that meeting. But I definitely told him if he's not at the next meeting I shared at, I'll be using it like it's mine <laughs> for sure. Um, and so uh, before we get too far off track here, we had some comments about our uh, – oh, my God. Why does this do this? The stupid phone doesn't go where I want it to go. Uh, we had some comments back to the seventh step from people. Um, so here's a comment on, we'll start with Twitter. Andrea said, uh, oh man, when I first did this step, my sponsor told me this one is a good example of how we keep the steps with us. Keep them in your pocket like you do your cigarettes and pull one out when you need it. And I'm so well aware of my character defects. One of these is definitely saying things I don't always need to say. Often I successfully peruse and answer these two questions before I speak. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? And if I have to answer no to either, then I hold back. Do I do it perfectly every time? Lord, no. And I, I think that's interesting. Like the whole, you know, we talk about a toolbox. I guess that's maybe more of a, a masculine thing that we, we refer yeah. to our, our principles as. Like, And I guess she's saying that, you know, for six and seven, we start to get these tools, these spiritual principles to apply. But, you know, she's saying keep them in your pocket like a like a cigarette and pull it out when you need it. That's a yeah. kind of interesting analogy. And, you know, I do love the idea of asking ourselves, does it need to be said and does it need to be said by me before we say it? Um, one of the first things I learned when I got here was that honesty without compassion is abuse. And I thought that was an interesting saying. Uh, you have any more to add to that? or No, just, again, recently my wife and I had were in a conversation about something similar of like, do I need to be the one to say certain things to certain people? We were talking more about it from an advocacy point of view and some of the work that she does. And, and I just explained to her like my uh, principle in my life that I try to go by now is like if I'm not really intimately or emotionally connected with you, I don't need to get that emotionally invested in what you're saying. Mm. Um, that it's just – you know, I don't need to start trying to correct you or fix you or give you my opinion on stuff. Uh, you know, and that for me is a skill because I spend most of my life trying to correct and fix everyone. Right. Because I think everyone should think like me. And just learning, like, you know what? If we're not really like emotionally connected in that way, you think whatever you want to think and go on about your day, and it's not my job to fix you. <laughs> and I found it brings me a lot of peace. I don't know what it does for them. Maybe nothing if they have a lot of bad ideas, but it saves me, uh, you know, a lot of anxiety. Right. I think this podcast has done a lot of that for me. Uh, it, it's helped me to practice just I don't have the answers for everybody, even though I think I do. Right. I think my way is definitely the best. But I just to understand kind of like what you said, like I just need to do it for me. Let it be right for me and let others have their opinion. I don't know where everybody's coming from, right? I don't know exactly what they went through in their experience to get here or what they need to move forward. Um, 
So Mike brought up the book Drop the Rock, and then uh, Tracy added that there's a, se- a follow-up to that, Drop the Rock, the Ripple Effect. And everybody loved when, you know, you said that Drop the Rock was about crack. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that seems to be a familiar thing with Step 6. So if you're doing Step 6, a, a whole lot of people suggest Drop the Rock. Uh, and, you know, if you're doing Step 1, also Drop the Rock and stop <laughs> smoking crack. Um Mr. T-Bear said, recognize your character defects don't go away. You need a higher power to help keep them under control. What, what do you think about that, uh, that they don't go away? I, I I kind of agree with that, I think. They they come back. Like we, I think we talked about that. Like, yeah, we did, actually. And so, and it's funny because I was just going over a step with someone else, different step, but we were talking about those tools in the toolbox and the way that I sort of use that exact analogy was to say when we come in the program we have a lot of bad tools for coping with life you know what i mean we have anger resentment fear you know judgment whatever you want to call it sarcasm you know those those are the tools that we have and then we come in and we work these steps and we learn these new principles and if we aren't constantly using those new tools and they aren't on top of the toolbox you know, they'll start to sink to the bottom. And if you've ever used a toolbox on a regular basis, I do a lot of physical labor. It's like that weird saw that you don't use very much gets all the way to the bottom. And then when you need it, you got to dig through all your other shit to get to it. Right. That's the way these tools work as well. If I'm not constantly working on patience and tolerance and acceptance and surrender and love and those things, they start to sink down to the bottom and that resentment, anger, fear stuff sinks, you know, rises to the top. And those are the ones that come out eat more easily so yeah i don't know that they ever go away um it's just the more that i try to practice the spiritual principles in place of them the more likely i am to use those spiritual principles when shit hits the fan i like that too i was sitting here thinking that for me like i came in here with one tool and that was the angry hammer right (laughs) And, and then i got here and it's like i started doing some some different odd you know construction work and the hammer, I still just use the hammer for everything. Like, oh, you want to put a screw in? <laughs> right. Fuck it, hit it with a hammer, right? You, you need to uh, unscrew something? Ah, we'll just fucking pull it out with a hammer. Like, And now it's almost like if I'm not conscious on a daily basis, I'm not even doing construction work anymore. I'm doing, like, surgery on people. And here I am, I'm still using a fucking angry hammer some days, right? Like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? It's not a doctor's tool. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Um Recovery Hour said that she found this quote in the 12 and 12. The chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear, primarily fear that we would lose something we already possessed or would fail to get something we demanded. And that's an that's a pretty good quote. Primary primarily fear that we would lose something we already possess or would fail to get something we demanded. That's pretty much the story of my life is that I'm terrified I'm not going to get what I want or I'm not going to have enough. Those are like my biggest fears, I think, on a regular basis when I look at it. Um, yeah, and I remember my sponsor telling me that, that, you know, the first time through the steps, you know, my first sponsor was uh, that, yeah, fear was at the basis of all my character defects. Hmm. Uh, so then Liz said, you work the first five steps, then let six and seven work you as you proceed through the rest of the steps. What does that mean to you? Work the first five um, steps. I guess I had another sponsor tell me something in a similar but in a different way that said the steps will come and get you. Mm. And that's, you know, if I work the first five steps and then I just continue to live in my character defects, like slowly my awareness of the my responsibility for things is coming up and slowly the, the pain of the pain that comes along with the awareness of the harm that I'm causing to other people 
you know, mm. either pushes me to use or, or pushes me to do something different. Um, I think that's a line in the basic text in six. I think it says, you know, our character defects can back us into a corner that you cannot come out of clean. Um, and I think that's sort of a similar thing. It's like if I don't do something about it, the problem will fix itself one way or another. <laughs> it's an interesting concept how uh, I've heard people refer to it as the road narrows the longer we stay here or, or something along those lines. And basically, like when we get here and we're free from all the awful, terrible behaviors we did while using, it's like, man, I can do almost anything and I can feel pretty okay with it. It doesn't really bother me. But the longer I stay and the more recovery work I put in, like certain behaviors just start to feel not so good over mm-hmm. time. Like, and, and, I don't know what that is. Is that growing up? Is that, you know, more of a spiritual connection? Like, for some reason, over time, I start to be less okay with things that I used to be fine with. You know, maybe I just don't like the way I lie to women to to sleep with them anymore. Or maybe, you know, and it comes in like little stages, but I get closer no matter. It's almost like despite me trying like recovery happens in spite of myself at some points in time even though i got to do a little work but the changes happen whether i ask for them or not sometimes um alcoholic dad i I still probably the worst fucking name on twitter (laughs) it sounds awful even though it's great that he's in recovery um he talked about step six being the center and backbone of the program the separator fulcrum or pivot step seven Humility. We recognize our faults. We ask on a daily basis for assistance in removing the faulty behaviors and attitudes learned or acquired. We lose fear through courage to ask for help. And I thought of that whole idea of, you know, the center backbone and and pivot point was a very interesting, you know, thought. Like that's the kind of place where our recovery turns from running to escape something to more guided towards something that's what i took out of that and i was like huh i might actually believe that shit i don't know what do you think do you um yeah or or like that so for me i like to think of it as the pivot point to where i start so when i first come into recovery and i do the first couple of steps and i stop using you know I i do a lot of things for for myself in essence i fucking stop stealing i might take a bath might get a job take responsibility for my life you know and things start to get better for me but they don't necessarily improve for the lives of people around me other than Mm. i might stop stealing from my family and stuff but i mean and when i get to six and seven and i begin to work on my defects and become a new person then the lives around the the lives of the people around me start to become impacted and the lives of those people can start to get better you know, because now I'm becoming a more healthy and productive human being. And so I guess uh, maybe when I say, you know, six and seven, I stop running away from a certain thing and start moving towards a spiritual direction, right? Uh, and, and I kind of still believe that, but sort of more in line with what you're saying, up until like six and seven, I'm still the focus of my problem, right? It's still a completely (laughs) self-centered recovery. (laughs) And then six and seven and moving further really leads me into seeing how, hey, this is really just not all about me. Like, yeah, I'm in here in this recovery, but I'm also trying to center around how I treat others and I'm noticing that more. Yeah, and it's the first steps towards that. Like, it's like you said, it's like the awareness, like, hey, maybe my actions do impact people around me. Hey, maybe what I'm doing does have like that ripple effect and then you get into eight where you got to make your 
well, nine is where you make your amends, but you know, you get into eight and nine where you start making an amends and you really feel the full force of the, you know, mm, hopefully the right. full impact. And it's like gradual steps towards that process of awareness of how we affect the world around us. Hmm. So interesting. Uh, Sandra said six and seven, the balancing steps help me to be able to truly and without reluctance take eight and nine. They remind me every day that I'm a work in progress and when my defects are running riot, I can stop and ask for help. Any thoughts on any of that? Um, no, I mean, that all sounds pretty good. I I just keep thinking, and it's, this took my thought right away, and I thought it in Alcoholic's Dad comment. It's like, it's, it's it was so important for me, anyway, to realize my assets and stuff in 6 and 7 as well. That I have mm. these assets. That I am not all bad. That I am not all these defects. You know, yes, maybe they're a big part of my life, but there were still some good parts of me, you know, that were worth saving or keeping or or nurturing, you know, that I wasn't just a total piece of shit. That's so funny because I remember the first time through for me, and, and I know there's a section in four and in six, and it's like, yeah, it's one little section. There's like eight sections of how fucking yeah. awful I am in this one little section, you know. And it, I just couldn't feel it. I was like, no, nah, I'm writing this bullshit, but I don't believe none of it. I'm a piece of shit. It's terrible. <laughs> well, see, and I, that's all I ever felt like was a piece of shit. You know what I mean? And I needed that encouragement or that realization. Like, you know, mm. you're not all bad. You're not, you know. I just couldn't internalize it, no matter how much I wanted to. It's like I could kind of see it in my life. Like, hey, you're nice to people, right? That's cool. I just could not really truly feel it internally or believe it. Mm. And so I was like, man, eh, this is a waste. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving over to Facebook, Kevin said the issues are like tissues. They keep popping up. Um, oh, Michael, my buddy Michael. It's between six and eight. That was his uh, take on step seven. It's between six and eight. <laughs> <laughs> um Bob said, get ready for God to open your eyes to a new way of seeing, perceiving, and processing things. That's interesting. Uh, a new way of seeing, perceiving, and processing things. Sometimes I read it, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then later I'm like, what does that mean? I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. just thought it sounded cool. Um, my buddy Pat said his prayers changed. He wasn't able to on his own, so he started to humbly ask for help. And I, I dug into that a little bit. And he said up until then he had been telling God what he needed or wanted or saying I hope this is the right thing for me to do. But humility, patience, and turning his thought and actions over finally evolved into the equation, and he got to this stage and started seeing the depth of his powerlessness. Hmm. And so I, I, I love Pat. He's always got some real humble stuff to say. And then Brian, uh, who's a very, um, he is more of a religious type, said the seventh step to him is, is a prayer something along this lines of, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. Lead me away from temptations and save me from all the evils of this world. And so that's a different um, take on that idea. And then Christy had said something or other, and I can't find that right this second. So it was it was nice. I will find it before we get done. Um, so... Did you want to start talking about sponsorship today? Oh, and I did want to thank Autumn. Autumn was the one who mentioned us, uh, I don't know, it might be a month ago at this point, that we had not yet done a sponsor or sponsorship <laughs> episode. And it kind of baff I wanted to go back. I even went back and looked at our episodes. I'm like, yeah, we did. What is she talking about? And apparently we haven't. So that's why we're here, to do sponsorship today. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, in in preparation for doing an episode on sponsorship, uh, like most times I go and research some literature outside of just the fellowship that I've always been to and always uh, read the literature of and, and looked at some outside information and was very enlightened and, you know, kind of like, wow, my eyes were opened on a few things. All right, hold that for one second. So Christy said, step seven on the third go-around was her greatest spiritual awakening, finally realizing she couldn't do it alone. Uh, and I, I just think that's interesting that it was on her third go-around. Like, it, it takes us... Like, we get to these different layers and these different understandings of things as we go. Um, and I also wanted to comment on what you just said, that I am so highly impressed that you, like, check out other fellowships and programs literature before we do this. Because I'm like, ah, just read what the fuck I know from my program. I don't even think about it. I'm like, God, I'm still self-centered. Now, well, that's what I've realized is, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but I came to Narcotics Anonymous, I found exactly what I needed at the mm. time in my life, and it's worked very, very well for me. You know what I yeah. mean? It it has. There's nothing about it that I feel like has led me astray or, or sent my life in a wrong direction or done any harm for me at all. Um, mm. So I've stuck around, and I didn't really feel a need to do much research. You know what I mean? Like, right. Because as a member of Narcotics Anonymous or a person that sponsors someone in narcotics anonymous it's not really that important that i know what's going on in other fellowships it's really only important that i understand how this fellowship works and how we kind of do things and how i apply this in my life um to be frank i never worked aa step so i couldn't tell you how to be an aa sponsor i don't fucking know you know what i mean like i I have a general idea but i don't really know um so yeah, so it's been interesting to do that, to look outside of for for different information and to, um and I think you had said it and it's it's I realized this a couple of weeks ago too. It's like it's not that like Narcotics Anonymous doesn't have the market on all the good information. There's tons of other good information out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, really that can is. be useful and that I can take and apply in my life still. And then um, if you go out and find it and bring it back to NA, you sound like a fucking guru. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to make sure you don't mention where you heard it from. Right? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You just act like you made it up. And a purist will come <laughs> after you for violating traditions. But in any case, so I'd like to start out kind of for, for people that aren't familiar with 12-step programs mm. or any of that, like a, a sponsor. What is a sponsor? What do we get them for? What is this thing? I think the general idea is I looked up the definition of sponsor. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I got it right here. Oh, do you have it? Yeah. Okay, so you can There's read it. There's a few then, of them, yeah. I, yeah. So one, uh, this is uh, Merriam-Webster, of course. The so one is one who presents a candidate for baptism or confirmation oh, wow. <laughs> and undertakes responsibility for the person's religious education or spiritual welfare. So the second part of that, I, I kind of agree with that. We undertake mm-hmm. a little bit of responsibility as sponsors for the person's spiritual welfare. Um, the next one was uh, one who assumes responsibility for some other person or thing. And I think there's a little bit of that in there. We're not really responsible for what our sponsees do, but it's interesting. We, we take a little bit of responsibility for their recovery, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, the you know one I wanted when I got here was a person or organization that pays for me. <laughs> wanted somebody to pay for me. You know, I I thought it was going to be like a walkathon when I first got here before I got a sponsor. Like back then, it was like, oh hey, you get somebody to sponsor you, and they give you you know three dollars per mile that you walk. And I was like, maybe they'll give me like three dollars every day I stay clean or something. <laughs> yeah. And that shit will build up, man. 
Uh, bank. I'm taking it you found a different definition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and of course now I can't find it now. I thought I had it up here, but I didn't. But in any case, it was it was like uh, um, someone that you step in and you take like an active role in supporting them through this process. Right is the general uh, definition. You know, if we if we picture you know a sponsorship of a whatever golf tournament or something, companies might give money. They might give food or drinks and then they can sponsor at different levels you know Mm -hmm. depending on what their commitment is and this is similar like we're stepping in to tell someone hey i will help you through this process in what i can um or i don't know that we're telling them usually the way sponsorship works at least what i'm familiar with is that that person would come and ask you to be their sponsor um now i do understand that to be a little different in some places or some programs, mm-hmm. uh, some areas, they're a little more active in going out to people and, and doing things like saying, hey, do you have a sponsor? No. All right. Well, I'll be your temporary sponsor until you find one. Uh, me personally, I've never done that. I don't know that I agree with that um, for reasons we could get into, but I know that is a thing that happens <laughs> at places and there are people that will do that. And I don't know that it's wrong. I just have reasons why I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I definitely, uh, I didn't do that. Right, but I did it on the low. When I was newer and wanted sponsees, I would just go talk to the newcomer a lot after the meeting and maybe pick him up for a couple of meetings. And I was basically just biding my time till he asked me. But yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I, was, I was trying to recruit. Yeah, and I mean, for me, it's always been a matter of, you know, and maybe this is judgment or whatever, but to be in this process and to do it honestly takes a lot of commitment and a lot of work. You know what I mean? And if you're not even willing to ask me for help, mm. I, you know, are you really going to be really to do the – are you going to be willing to do the hard work when it comes to the hard – like that's that's just a tiny bit of humility. Like right. it's, it really takes almost – and I know it feels monumental. So when I was new in recovery and going and asking some guy to, to sponsor me, like that felt so – enormous you know what i mean like it felt so awkward and so uncomfortable um but that getting through that having the courage to step through that was important to begin this process because what i found was that doesn't stop you know (laughs) like none of this stuff becomes comfortable and as we get later into steps and doing like an eighth step or doing a you know fifth step with another human being or you know or ninth step i should say you know going over my eighth step with a sponsor and then going out to people and making amends like none of that shit is easy or comfortable at least not for me right um and so if i can't even begin the baby step of admitting that i need some help or asking someone to help me (laughs) yeah and and none of those guys that i you know recruited stayed clean it just I think it was all about me still at that point in time. You know, we just talked about that. It, my program had not really pivoted or, or I hadn't gotten what I needed internally to be more open to other things. And it was still like, hey, if I can get some sponsees, that'll make me important enough to matter. I still felt like I didn't matter and I wasn't nobody. And, and I don't know, you know, that took for me a long time in this process to really get to a point where I was better internally and didn't have to seek outside things to make myself feel better but that was i think part of the reason i did that like oh yeah if i sponsor like five or six guys i'm really gonna you know i'll matter now at least to somebody (laughs) but uh yeah so a sponsor from what i understand it is a person that's gonna help uh especially early in recovery but throughout recovery but especially early in recovery they're a person that's gonna help us sort of 
uh, get through some of the beginnings of like the weirdness and awkwardness that is a life of abstinence. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think it's really interesting. I've had this discussion. I think a lot of different people have different ideas of what sponsors do or what their job is or any of that. I mean, obviously in our literature, in, in the NA, in the NA, uh, they talk about we're not therapists or you know marriage counselors or bankers like we're not there to provide those kind of things only just to provide our experience strength and hope when we can and it's appropriate i've heard some people say hey my sponsor is only a guide through the steps nothing more like i i don't ever hang out with him i don't go to meetings with him i call him up when i'm finished a step or when i need guidance on a step and that's it that's what we do then I've heard other people who, through the step process, become great friends with their sponsor and, and, you know, they have a different relationship. And then I've heard people who believe that it's more than just, you know, guiding through the steps. It's also to be there for phone calls to help them guide them through any life challenge. And and so, what I mean, do you have a particular belief on which one is right or... or uh, I think for a long time I was pretty married to the idea that a sponsor was primarily a guide step that guide through the 12 steps. Right. Um, and I used to actually say that quote out of our literature. And I did find something similar in the AA literature that says, you know, they're not professional therapists or bankers. They have a similar line in their sponsorship right. information. Thou aren't professional therapists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so what we have in this program is our experience with the program. So I have my experience with Narcotics Anonymous, and that's what I have to offer and share with someone that I sponsor. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe I have some personal marriage experience. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm good at marriage. Maybe I'm not. Maybe my situation is different than theirs. Who knows? But that's not what they're... That's not what my primary role is. My primary role is to help them with this process of recovery um, in whatever fellowship. Again, being a person that has been around, I have experienced some things in the fellowship as far as our service structure, how groups work, you know, what what things will help you stay connected to the groups, those kind of things. Um I have never personally felt like a a responsibility to be like a taxi service or to be a money lender or any of those things. Um, I've never been great at getting phone calls at 2 or 3 in the morning. And not because I wouldn't talk to someone, but I, for the most part of my life, probably wouldn't even have got up. Now my phone is next to me. But like – a few years ago, I never used to put my phone next to my bed. It stayed, like, in the living room on a charger mm. when I went to bed, so I didn't carry it with me all the time. And it wasn't a direct, you know, slight either way. It just, I just, that's where it was when I charged it up at night. Right. So if people called me at 2 in the morning, I probably wouldn't get that call. Um, but that being said, I have answered those calls, and now if somebody called me, I would probably talk even though. I'd say I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm going to test that out this week. Yeah. Is this really an emergency? Because <laughs> i got to get up at 5. Um, but I think each individual's uh, efforts there are kind of on them to decide what how much they want to put into that relationship. And so I, I found it interesting when you mentioned, like, there's levels of sponsorship that companies can buy into. I'd never even considered that. Like, I, I've definitely heard of that concept, you know, hey, do you want to be a platinum level or a bronze level sponsor? <laughs> right. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, what's what's below bronze? Like, that's yeah. probably where I'm at today. Like, plastic level? Like, Because yeah, right. <laughs> I've had to tell the last couple guys that asked me, I'm like, hey, listen, 
I am not going to be able to go to like two meetings a week with you and hang out, right? We're not going to go get dinner. Like my life is full. I have five kids. I, I got school. I'm, I'm, you know, doing a whole lot of stuff right now. What I got for you is if you want to call and check in once a week and we can talk about how your week was, uh, and, and not that I couldn't answer another call if something popped up, right? during their week. But look, this is generally what I got. I call each week. We could talk for half an hour about what's going on and I'll get you within two weeks when you're ready to do a step. Like that's what I really have to offer. If that's not what's good for you and a sponsor, then, then we're probably not going to work out right. And that's, I think ties into that seventh step humility, knowing mm-hmm. that I can't be everything to everyone at this point, And I want to give them the, the, you know, information ahead of time to say, hey, look, maybe this isn't what I'm looking for. Like early on, I definitely need a sponsor that was going to hang out all the time. Like that was just a requirement. Now, not really. I mean, it's cool to hang out sometimes, but I know I don't have time for that all the time either. So I get it. Right. Yeah. And that's funny because I've done the same thing. You know, now my life is actually turning a corner on that. But a few years back, I mean, if people would ask me to sponsor, one of the first things I would tell them was like, look, you know, I have a wife and three kids, and I'm really active with my family and stuff, you know. So, again, I'm not the guy that's available for phone calls every day and, and can mm-hmm. take calls, you know, in the middle of the night. Like, if, as long as you're okay with that, you know, I can guide you through the steps. That's what I think a sponsor's job is. But right. same thing. Like, I, I don't have that. And let them make the decision. Um because it is important. You know, people are looking for different things. I mean, I've I've never been a sponsor that's overly pushy. I tell most people, I'll meet you at whatever your level of need is. If you ask me to sponsor you and you never call me, I'm probably not going to lose any sleep over that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to start, you know, calling you and finding out where you're at. Hey, what are you doing? Are you going to meetings? What's going on? Like, I mean, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I know people will do that stuff. I know I've heard sponsor stories of them going and dragging people out of crack houses and, you know, going and dragging people out to meetings and... Screaming, drop the rock! Right. If I ain't seen you in a while and we've been in pretty close contact, I might give you a call. I'll say, hey, I'm going out to this meeting. You want to go? Or shoot you a text or something like that. But I'm not, like, an overbearing person. Um, I've heard of people giving advice like job advice and telling you got to go get a job and you got to work anywhere and I, I don't know what you got to do for you and your personal situation you know what I mean it's not I don't feel like it's my place to make that decision but some people need those things you know they need that sort of I'm gonna call it dictator in their life to tell them like <laughs> you need to get up at this time you need to take a shower you need to go to work you need you know you need to do these things sponsor tater yeah when I came in I didn't need that you know what I mean? That's not what I needed. Those weren't things that I lacked in my life. I maintained a job all through my using, my entire using life, other than when I was in jail. Right. But, you know, I maintained a job. I maintained a place to live. I paid bills. Like, I was responsible in some areas of my life. So I had a few life skills that I brought to the table. So I didn't need someone to tell me how to do those things. I would say for me, uh, I don't overly reach out to sponsees i kind of let them establish a relationship between us like you establish what's comfortable for you how often you call but once they've established that they do call at some regular interval whether that's every two weeks or you know twice a week or whatever it might be 
if that falls off, I do tend to reach out then. It's kind of like, hey, you know, you've, it's almost like you earned that, right? Yeah, like right. you've earned, <laughs> and I hate to say it that way, but it's kind of like, a, you know, you've done the, the effort to put into this. And now I feel like it's definitely, because there's so many people that ask and don't ever do anything. And that's, if I just spent all my time calling them back, I'd still be on the phone. We'd never be able to record, right? There's right. a lot of people. <laughs> right. um, let's hit our break for, for the voices ad, uh, and then we'll come right back. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. All right, so here we are. We're back. Uh, we're going to go from here. So in NA, there was a pamphlet called Sponsorship, and then at some point in time, they decided to rewrite that. And so I have the old version. Billy has the new version, and we're going to kind of go through it and see what we can gather, if we like the changes, if we think the information's spot on. Uh, and so this one starts out talking about it's you know, based on the collective experiences, uh, answers some of the most commonly asked questions. It's got essential information, but it's not meant to be comprehensive. Sponsorship is the heart of NA, is the heart of the NA way of recovery from addiction. One addict helping another. Sponsorship's a two-way street, helping both the newcomer and the old-timer alike, which is an interesting statement. We kind of talked, Billy, before uh, all this started, and if you listen to the YouTube version of this, you probably heard a lot of it, that sponsorship seems to always be referred to as for the newcomer, and that statement kind of reinforces that. It's a two-way street. It helps the newcomer and the old-timer. What about the old-timer <laughs> right. and the older-timer, right? <laughs> right? Like They don't ever mention that. So what's up with that? Do they not think we need sponsors? Um, I don't know. It's always been explained to me that I should always have a sponsor. I mean, that's been the general rule of thumb that I understood from my predecessors. And uh, I did find a little passage in the AA pamphlet about sponsorship that says, you know, it doesn't say specifically that anyone needs a sponsor, but it does say in there that, you know, members with long amounts of time for continued recovery should maintain a sponsor relationship. Um, so that is maybe more subtly in there than I think it should be. <laughs> yeah. But it is there. They definitely, I mean, when they said, you know, if you don't have a sponsor, you're sponsored by an idiot. Uh, like, yeah, <laughs> that never right. says, unless you're an old timer when you're a fucking genius. Like, that's, what? I need right. a sponsor. I'm crazy. Yeah. I think I always need a sponsor. So the old version uh, starts off with, what is a sponsor? A sponsor is a recovering addict in the program of Narcotics Anonymous, obviously, whatever program you're in, I guess. Someone we can trust to share our life experiences with, both good and bad. A person to whom we can go with our problems that may be too personal to share with the group. It is suggested that a sponsor be someone who has practiced and worked in the 12 steps and is involved in the program. Primarily, a sponsor is a guide through the 12 steps of recovery. So that is probably where you got your information yeah. that they are primarily a guide through the 12 steps. And that's what I, like say, that was the pamphlet that was around when I first got it. I think 2004, I think, is when the new one came out. So, hmm. um, yeah, and this one's, I mean, it's similar. It's just, I, and I hate to say it's a little more wishy-washy. That's always seems <laughs> to be the way. just what I was way, thinking. You know, it's, 
It's like not as sort of clear cut and direct. Um, it says sponsorship is a personal and private relationship that can mean different things to different people. <laughs> For the purpose of this pamphlet, an NA sponsor is a member of Narcotics Anonymous living our program of recovery who is willing to build a special supportive one-on-one relationship with us. Most members think of a sponsor first and foremost as someone who can help us work the 12 steps of NA and sometimes the 12 traditions and concepts. A sponsor is not necessarily a friend, but maybe someone in whom we can confide. We can share things with our sponsor that we might not be comfortable sharing with, sharing at meetings. Um, so again, it just seems a little less uh, pointed. Right, <laughs> like, right. But I, I generally agree with the information. I, I yeah. think it's somebody we confide in, somebody we take stuff to that we might not be able to share at the group level, and definitely, you know, primarily someone who guides us through the 12 steps. I I buy into all that right there. Yeah, and it's funny because I used to feel like that was my only responsibility, and the truth is if I look back on it, um, I think in my benefits from a sponsor and my benefits with sponsee have mostly been like the biggest benefits have come in the dealing with life on life's term stuff hmm. and learning how to apply these principles. I mean so much of it is how do I – figure out what my values are in this new situation in my life, whether it's at my job or with my wife or with my kids, and how do I apply this stuff in my life? And it's not always about how do I not get high or, you know, the obvious shit. It's about, all right, I want to be loving, caring, and supportive of my kid, but they're doing this really fucking stupid thing over here, Mm. and I don't know how to navigate this, and maybe what would you, (laughs) you know? Like those are the areas that sponsorship has helped me out the most. I just had a really interesting interaction with a guy on Instagram a couple weeks back where he was like, ah, sponsoring the steps and all that, and I just, you know, like his comment, sure, whatever, fuck a sponsor and steps, I don't care. (laughs) Uh, And then he, he, like, asked me to go deeper like he he dug for more information i'm like do you really fucking want this buddy like i don't i don't it's not what i want to do with my day uh but he did he wanted it so i you know just gave him what i knew uh which is you know a sponsor is a guy reading from a later page in the instruction manual right he can look back and say hey uh, when you're doing those four screws in the bottom of that chair on step four, uh, yeah, that fucking really matters that you get that right. Because on step 22, I found out I had the leg upside down when right. I fucking did it. And then it didn't work out because the hole was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And it's just like one of those things. It's just a guy reading from a later page mm-hmm. that has been through some shit. And I'm like, this is how I see it being beneficial, right? It's not that they're better than me or anything. And it was interesting. I still don't think he bought in, right? He, but I was like, I don't know. I, yeah. I didn't even want to go there. Well, and that gets into that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like the heart of the like power greater than me or power outside of me. Like, I need someone else to help me do this shit and a sponsor somebody who, typically, you would hope that you respect their opinion, that you admire, you know, their insights. Right, and so that's one of the things I heard when I got here was, uh, how do you find a sponsor? Well, find somebody that has what you want, right? And and they've always displayed that from where I'm from. Uh, in different ways. Hey, it could be somebody who spiritually acts in a nicer way to the people around them. Or it could be a guy who, you know, dresses in a nice suit with alligator skin shoes and a fancy ass car. Like whatever it is you want, yeah. go to that person and ask them how they got it. Like yep. that's how and you that's get sponsored. exactly what I heard is look for the person who's got what you want. Yeah. You know? So the next section in this one is who needs a sponsor. <laughs> and I don't think that's in the new no. version, is it? Is there any section like that? Uh... Who needs a sponsor? Yeah, see, they took that out. They didn't no. want to hurt people's feelings. Not at all. Okay, well, it 
First line of this is interesting as fuck. It is our experience that most addicts need a sponsor. What? Most who? All. All motherfuckers, (laughs) not most. Weird. I don't know. So that's what they say. It is our experience most addicts need a sponsor. At times we all find ourselves on shaky ground, confused, in emotional pain, and in need of a helping hand. Since we rarely trusted others, we attempted to go it alone in life. This became one of our problems. We are people who have never learned how to live. This is where our sponsor comes in. Our sponsors help by sharing their experience, strength, and hope. To sum it up, anyone who may have the desire to stay clean and begin to recover should have a sponsor. Mm. Woo! (laughs) So they say most, but then they come around to the end. uh, If you want any chance of fucking recovery, asshole, you better get a sponsor. Eh, I think it's like most things. We, in the program, we try to use this suggestive language that these are suggestions and all that, but most people will tell you, this is what you fucking need to do. Right. You can take it as a suggestion or you can go get high. (laughs) I've never actually looked this up, which is a shame because I have Google in my hands right this second, but they said that suggestion, one of the definitions of that is a subtle command. And so it's like, yeah, you know. Um, So you don't have that section. What about how do I get a sponsor? Is that in there? Nope. No? They don't have the how do I get a sponsor? Oh, yes, we do. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. That is down here later. It's not next, though. There's some other things first, so ah. it's down here a little further. What do you got? What What is a sponsor? Uh, what does a sponsee do? Oh. What does a sponsor do? Interesting. So, I, I don't... Okay, let's just go with the how do I get a sponsor section. It says, listening is the key to finding a sponsor. Interesting. The most obvious place to look for a sponsor is at NA meetings. Talk, share, and listen to members. Get plenty of phone numbers and use them. When you find someone with who you can talk openly and relate, simply ask that person to be your sponsor. Chances are the answer will be yes. Sometimes the person may be unable to sponsor you. Keep on trying. Remember that when one door closes, another will open. Another cliche. Uh, Continue to attend meetings, listen, and soon you will find a sponsor. It'll magically happen. (laughs) What do you think about that? The key is listening. I'm just reading through what this one says. It's way too long. But, yeah, I I like that a lot. I mean, again, what I know now of my sponsor-sponsee relationships being on both ends is they generally work better with people that I communicate well with, that mm. we get along, that we have similar similarities, similar similarities, yeah. that we have life similarities. Yeah, I was going to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we have like similarities in life you know what i mean like it's i have more experience with you know having a more professional career and and raising a family and you know being in a long-term monogamous relationship you know those are areas that i have experience with um there are going to be things that i don't have as much experience with you know what i mean i've always been pretty stable i think we bought our house when i had like two years clean you know i've been just financially stable and had right you know a lot of stability in my life i haven't had a lot of trauma and things since i've been clean so you might not have as easy time or as much to offer experience wise if say somebody wanted you to sponsor them and they switch jobs twice a year for the most part or uh, you know, weren't married and, and got in new relationships every year, every other year. Like you wouldn't have as much experience to say, oh, well, this is, you know, how that worked for me. Or Right. Like it, it, it would be hard for me to be really 
empathetic or or have good advice for someone who's like dating in recovery because mm. I never really did that. You know what I mean? Like I met my wife now. I ha- I had a couple months clean and I knew her before I got clean even. So, you know, we had already known each other. Um and so I've never really done a lot of dating in recovery with people in or out of the program. Right. You know? Um I've had I've only had a few jobs. I went from the job that I had the whole time I was using to the job that I'm at now. <laughs> you know, like, and that's been, you know, pretty much it. So, I had a few minor things there in between. So job applications and resumes aren't going to be your yeah, forte. Yeah, that's not. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so the next section on this is what length of clean time should a sponsor have, which I think is interesting. Like, I don't think that's addressed in the other one at all, out of uh, doubt. No. Uh, this one says it just varies from person to person. Maybe a member with years of clean time or maybe only a few months. Uh, clean time and experience well depends on the availability of sponsors in your area. That's for absolute sure. Uh, just speaking about differences of areas, we had somebody talking to us on Instagram who is like what you talk about, lives in an area where there is only AA. NA has zero presence whatsoever. And I'm just, I'm just still <clears throat> baffled and shocked by this that we don't have... Like, is there no acceptance of drug addicts in that area, or is it just that the NA program never got started? I don't understand. Like, it's 2020. Oh, yeah. We got drug addicts. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, and, and when we were up in New England, this just reminded me of this. I forgot about this. Uh, up there, they would have a thing that they called flat book meetings where you would go in and do the step working guide. They would do it, like, in the meeting, during so the weird. meeting, and that was how they worked steps. It was almost like... Almost like group sponsorship, which is something that might come up if we have enough time. Right. But it was this idea of, of the group actually sponsoring someone through the steps because what we were told was up there there was this huge influx of you know young people, new people because of the opioid epidemic, and they didn't have enough experienced members to sponsor all these people that you know they just didn't have enough experienced members to handle the load. So they That's- were doing it as a group. That's a creative, like, way to right. tackle that problem. I feel like Baltimore and Dundalk and, and maybe, like, Glen Burnie, like, those areas could use that kind of method. Yeah. Like, they need to do something. What they're doing ain't really, don't seem to be working. Right. Um, so this talks about the availability in your area. It, <laughs> this is interesting, and they would never put this in literature today. It says, the quality of clean time is more important than the quantity of clean, <laughs> clean time. Uh, but don't judge your neighbors. Um Choose someone that has a firm grasp on the 12 suggested steps of recovery of N.A. Are there not suggested steps? What the (laughs) fuck are the 12 suggested steps? Uh, Oh, yeah. Choose someone that has a firm grasp of the 12 steps, seems reasonably happy, and has the willingness to help other recovering addicts. Hmm. We call people like this winners. And it is a good idea to find your sponsor among these recovering addicts. Well, there you fucking go. There's a definition of winners. I didn't even know it had yeah, one. But it judging does. the fuck out of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if you're reasonably happy, uh, apparently if you struggle with depression, you're not a fucking winner. Uh, <laughs> and if you don't have the willingness to help people, you're not a winner. Yeah. Who the fuck? <laughs> Should a sponsor be a friend? Our experience has shown a good sponsor relationship need not be based on friendships, but trust is vital. When looking for sponsors, considered experiences in life, quality of clean time, availability to us, and willingness to help. Yeah, that didn't help at all. That's fucking useless. Should my sponsor be a man or a woman? Does it talk about this in there? Uh, in this one? Yeah. Let's see. 
This is interesting. This is definitely, I mean, this is, I think, from 1983 as well. So this was a whole different world when they were writing this. I don't want anybody to be confused by this next sentence I read. Because <laughs> this says, it is strongly suggested we find a sponsor of the same sex. Experience has shown us that members of the same sex better understand certain issues, such as sexuality, family or identity problems, relationship problems, etc., we are emotionally unstable, and it is easy to form emotional bonds with members of the opposite sex. This detracts from our program and could spell disaster, especially for the newcomer. Woo! You will not find that in 2020. That is for daggone sure. It's actually one of the points I wanted to bring up. How do you feel about sponsorship at this point? Is it men with the men, women with the women still? Um. So, yeah, I don't think that is in the new pamphlet. No way. Um, and I will say, in in fairness, I didn't think that was a concept that was practiced in AA, but apparently it is. It's in their their pamphlet I read, 15 questions about sponsorship or whatever. They make the same strong recommendations hmm. on similar characteristics. They do also address, though, that, you know... A homosexual person may get a sponsor of the same sex. Oh, they address uh, for similar. Yeah, they say it right in there for similar reasons right. as to what it outlined with the emotional thing, and and that's my opinion is you get into a lot of intimacy and emotional vulnerability, and you know those things, um, and if you couple that with someone where and they talk about I think specifically like you shouldn't get someone that you have a physical attraction to. Mm. Um, that that maybe is a criteria that can push it into a dangerous area, right. but then I don't know. If you aren't shallow as fuck, maybe looks don't matter. I don't know. <laughs> so I, this is interesting for the LGBTQ community for sure. In, in this day and age, like how do you navigate this? How do you find the right sponsor? What if you're interested in all you know parties that are around? Like how do you? eliminate that from being a concern on your list like that gets tricky and it, and even trickier when okay maybe the uh sponsee might be homosexual but the sponsor is of the same sex it's but not, isn't yeah. and then it's just it's really really tricky like i don't know what's right and the other topic i wanted to bring up around that with you to see your thoughts on is how does that work in other fellowships like Okay, in NA, there's a wealth of people, and we're here about drugs, so maybe I could help a woman uh, with her, you know, addiction issue. But what about in places like Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, where it's all about that sex and love and dependency relationship type stuff? Like, how do you work that out? How do you get a sponsor that maybe, and there's not as many sponsors available, so you're stuck with what's around, and it's like... That gets tricky. So is this like a hard rule or is this just a, if you can? Yeah, that I don't even pretend to know. Um, <laughs> I know for me personally, like I wouldn't sponsor women. I just wouldn't. Now I've had a sponsor that uh, he may even currently sponsor women, but he has and, and does sponsor women. If they would ask, he's done it. Um, I don't, you know, mostly mm. – because I, it's not an area I want to go. You know what I mean for myself or for them. Right. Um, you know, am I limiting myself or my experience? I don't know. Maybe, but it's like I got to balance these out, risk reward, you know, sort of thing. And at this point, sort of, my wife has had a lot of men ask her to sponsor them because she's been around so long, and she really does have a great 
grasp and explanation and understanding of the program. And uh, she always tells them no because there's not a shortage of men. And you know what I mean? There's not a shortage of quality men to ask in our area. If there was, she said she might change her mind. But there's not. You know, Mm. there's plenty of men out there to ask. So, you know, we happen to be lucky enough to be in a position where you can do that fairly easily. Right. And, and and I've been at, at meetings of other programs where, you know, there's seven people there every week. Mm. And that's what you got for the area. And one has any kind of freedom from whatever the manifestation is in that program. And it's like, uh, what do I do here? <laughs> I'm stuck with this one thing. Uh, does it mention that at all in the newer pamphlet? I would be surprised if it uh, doesn't. Mention what about about the, the men or sex. women? Yeah. No, I couldn't find it in there. No, anymore. oh man! So they're just wide open about that now. They don't have any opinion on it anymore. Yeah. Uh, here's another question I was actually going to bring up. I'm surprised this addresses so many of these. Should we have more than one sponsor? What's your opinion on this? Um, I mean, in like NA, I would say no. Um, I think you should only have one if you're in different fellowships. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, (laughs) you know, it would depend. It would kind of be one of those things where I – my approach would be personally to talk to the individual. Depends on the fellowship, what they're doing there, how they're using each of us. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't want to feel like I was being put in some – whatever you call it, like conflicting situation with someone. I'm going to ask you and then I'm going to ask them and see what you guys – you know. Pitch you against each other? Compare your answer? Yeah, like I wouldn't like that. Um, But if it was an area like, say, like the Sex and Love Anonymous or maybe food or gambling, like I don't have that experience. I mean, yes, addiction is similar, but there's different things that come along with that that I can't pretend to understand. And so I was like completely... I don't want to say against it. I just being raised the NA way, right? Like this is the right way. Uh, It was one sponsor. You got one sponsor, right? Which is exactly what this pamphlet is about to say. It says, should we have more than one sponsor? First sentence, we think not, right? (laughs) And so I was all in that. So when I explored some of these other programs, I was like, damn, I need to find a sponsor who is also in all these other programs that I go to and NA. And then they can just be my sponsor for everything all at once. One person, right? And the more I evaluated this, the more it was like, you know what? Why can't I have a fucking Jedi Council of sponsors, right? (laughs) Like, what what is a sponsor to me? And so in working uh, steps out of a book called The Gentle Path uh, Through the Twelve Steps, it talks about having guides, plural, Mm. right? And that's what I consider my sponsor, kind of a guide in life, right, Uh, and in my program. And so... Why can't I have a few guides? And the one thing I've come up with, I think you need to have an opposite number, right? Because then you can have like oh, a so you can best have a of seven, right? <laughs> you guys can vote. It doesn't come out as a stalemate ever. Um, so, and it was interesting. Now, this goes back. The new one doesn't have this in there. And I believe the new, the newer AA one that I read uh, says it should be one person. But in this old one from 1944, I think it was, it talks about co-sponsorship in here. Hmm. And you may find co-sponsorship beneficial. <laughs> I was like, wow, co-sponsorship. That's fucking incredible. Well, that ties into the whole you know, sponsorship by group idea mm-hmm. that we were talking about. This says our experience has shown that it's easier to receive direction from one individual. We find it easier to trust in one person rather than many. One sponsor, we can build a relationship. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I don't know about the confining yourself to. Then you're only getting one take on things, right? What if the mm. one sponsor I got doesn't know the information I need to hear? I mean, obviously we trust that God will make sure that happens, but I don't know. Yeah. I can't believe they actually said that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I have been in that situation, so I had probably, you know, my sponsor was you know, my closest friend and person I was closest with in recovery. And when he kind of left and, and relapsed, like I, I wasn't sure I wanted to stick around going to NA really for a while, mm. you know, just like that was, that relationship was probably the biggest part of why I came for a few years. And, you wow. know, yeah. And when he was not there, it was like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, and so, yeah, it's dangerous only having one, person yeah i agree i think have as many guides as there are now obviously we run into the danger of you know cherry picking the responses we get like we oh i got 12 guides and uh you know i'll ask the one who i know cheats on his girl if i can cheat on mine so but see i encourage people to do that anyway most of the time and that falls back on like my when i say sponsor like my sponsor's you know, responsibility is to guide me through the steps, not be my marriage counselor, social worker, financial advisor, all those things. Right. I can get that information from other people and I can use him as a resource for those things. But my sponsor's primary job is to work with me through the steps. At least that's been my perspective up till now. And then to look at his life experience and see what areas he may have something to offer. Because my sponsors haven't always... You know, they've been they're human beings too. They're not perfect people. They don't have everything in their life figured out. You right. know what I mean? No, yeah, it's it's very true. I mean, and this this says how do we use a sponsor? That's the next section in here. How do we use a sponsor? Communication is the key in this relationship. When we have questions about any part of our program, we can look to our sponsor, but it is our responsibility to get in touch with them during these times. Here's that whole they need to reach out to us. Uh, whether it be by telephone or in person, we share our problems. Good or bad, we try to share our experiences on a daily basis. Oh, shit. Mm. I've definitely been doing it wrong. <laughs> I don't know if I want anybody calling me on a daily basis either. Oh, my God. Here it goes, too, Billy. Day or night, whenever we feel the need, we contact our sponsor. It is important that we... <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's important that we be honest with our sponsor, listen with an open mind to suggestions, and are willing to try a way other than our own. Remember, we need never be alone. Bro, I don't I don't think I can talk to people on a daily basis all the time. <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. don't, I don't, especially know if I could either. whenever. Mm. Does it talk about how to use a sponsor in that? Uh-huh. Well, they have two sections. What does a sponsor do and what does a sponsee do? Read the sponsee part. The sponsee part? Yeah. Okay, so let's read. What does a sponsee do? One suggestion is to have regular contact with our sponsor. In addition to phoning our sponsor, we can arrange to meet up at meetings. Some sponsors will tell us how often they expect us to contact them, while others don't set those kind of requirements. If we cannot find a sponsor who lives close to us, we can look to technology or mail to keep in touch. Regardless of how we communicate (laughs) with our sponsor, it is important that we be honest and that we listen with an open mind. Now, here comes one of their cool quotes. They do this thing where they quote someone. Oh, boy. I rely on my sponsor to give me general direction and a new perspective. If nothing else, she's an important sounding board 
Sometimes all it takes is saying something out loud to someone else for me to see things differently. And then there's a little bit more. We may worry that we are a burden that we are a burden to our sponsor and hesitate to contact them. Or we may believe our sponsor will want something in return from us. But the truth is, our sponsors benefit as much as we do from the relationship. In our program, we believe that we can only keep what we have by giving it away. By using our sponsor, we are actually helping them to stay clean and recover. Hmm. Yeah, uh, so I kind of agree with that. Maybe, maybe the whole way this works is that people with like... 18 months to four years sponsor newer members and then they have the availability in their lives and then when you get old and crotchety and you know don't have time anymore you just sponsor people who (laughs) don't need as much from you i I don't know i can't imagine somebody calling me every day i really can't like that would be rough right at this moment well and the truth is it's it's difficult to try to sponsor someone who's brand new in recovery I mean, I've found, for me personally, now a lot of time. Yeah, I'm just so far removed from that stuff. And I try, and it's like, let me try to think back onto the struggles of what that felt like. You know what I mean? It's like trying to parent a teenager. Right. And remember what it was like to be a teenager. Yeah, and it's, you know, just like we talk about, like, how, like, I can vaguely remember how daunting it was to ask someone to be my sponsor or figure out how I was going to go to meetings every day but now it's almost like a joke like I almost laugh at it like I can't really <laughs> feel that feeling anymore right. but at the time that was like anxiety oh my god you know driving shit like oh my god there he is am I going to do it today I don't know I might have to wait I I don't know if I can do it today, man. Right? Maybe I'll see him tomorrow. Yeah, we'll just I'll wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow'll be a better day. And blow it off like that much anxiety over that thing. Right. And yeah. uh you know, it's hard to fucking remember how weird that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh the next section in here is how to be a sponsor. You said that's in yours too? Uh, this section is extremely fucking long. I'm not reading all this. There's no way. There's not how to be. That's in the AA one. It doesn't say how to be a sponsor in there? I thought no, that was it says, what's the role of the sponsor? Oh, what's the be role? That. What's yeah. the, or what does a sponsor do? That's what it says. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this says it's important step to become a sponsor. should not be taken lightly. Believe it ever possible. Consult our own sponsor before agreeing to sponsor someone else. Hey, I've done that. Uh Oh, in order to arrive at this, we might wish to explore our motives. Are we considering sponsorship to look good amongst the fellowship? I should have read this. I was obviously (laughs) doing it wrong. Uh, Or to help the addict who still suffers. Remember, we only keep what we have by giving it away. Am I ready to become a sponsor? Am I willing to share my experience, strength, and hope? Am I willing to make a commitment? After we decide to, where do we go? Realize that our own recovery comes first. Basic purpose of sponsorship is to help the addict through the 12 steps. Increasingly obvious to us that the best way to do this is by example. Sponsorship is an extension of our own personal program recovery. One of the most difficult aspects of sponsorship is drawing the line between caring and enabling. We feel it is enabling them when we work their program for them. It doesn't help addicts if if their sponsors are overprotective. Sometimes tough love is essential. We suggest you keep in mind... Is a responsibility is our responsibility to carry the message, not the addict. We are not reformers, preachers of the gospel, welfare workers, part-time social workers, marriage counselors, money lenders, employment counselors, or parole officers. It is important to remember that we are also suffering addicts. May come a time when you are unable to relate to the person you sponsor. 
At this time, you may direct them to someone who may help. Damn. We mm. talk about firing people. Yeah. We need not feel guilty if we if, sponsor, if someone we sponsor relapses. We are all responsible for our own recovery. There will be times when we won't have the answers. It is our responsibility to seek these answers, answers out with the people we sponsor. We are not God. Well, then. That addresses a whole lot of stuff. So you, I believe, don't believe in firing people. I know we've had this discussion so much. Um, I don't know if it... So I would say I don't generally fire people because they don't do work or don't call. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the way they described it there was almost like if we have a real differences of opinion or... I mean, that's the way I took it out of that. Maybe uh, I'm what did it say? We can no longer other. relate to yeah, the person? Yeah, we can no yeah. longer relate where it's like... If you're talking about applying principles in a way that I don't really understand or I'm explaining them to you in a way that you don't understand, I don't know that my help is going to be that beneficial or right. you just have some values in your life that are completely different from mine, you know, and, and we can't relate on that, you know. Like I would say if if I knew someone was probably overly – I say overly. I shouldn't use the word overly. If I knew someone was – Christian or involved with a church or very uh, much involved in an organized religion, I probably wouldn't be a good fit for them. Really? I don't know that I would fire them, though. I don't know. I can't imagine you don't think you'd be a good it's fit weird. for them. Yeah? Yeah. I don't <laughs> see how anything... I don't think anything that someone living uh, or attempting to live a spiritual path, I don't see how that's ever going to be contrary to a religion. Are you going to also buy into their concept of God and how to be saved and, and go to heaven? Mm-hmm. No, but I don't think anything you say is going to be offensive to what they say. Like, yeah, hey, let's treat people well. Okay, sounds great. That's what Jesus said, too. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would be honest. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, like, if, you know, if it just went there, I would try to keep my opinion to myself. But you know, Honesty know. without compassion but saying, is abuse. And again, I don't know if, if I would fire them, but I would definitely put that disclaimer. And I say that because I did sponsor a guy that was religious, and we just – it was weird. You know, it was pretty weird. And so uh, the times when I – It was difficult. I, I was fired by a sponsor in a different – program at one point and i was highly offended by it because i I didn't like it and he was supposed to help me and blah 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 blah. uh and my therapist at the time was like look even as a therapist if i feel that the person is no longer growing in our relationship together i'm gonna push them to somebody else she's like i'm not doing them any good to let here let them sit here and be stagnant with me i'm just co-signing that it's okay to be there yeah. and, and I that don't believe sounds that. really healthy yeah and my wife has said that a very similar thing too you know she said a very similar thing i would say so even if i have a sponsee maybe we don't not get along or, or not have a huge difference of opinion like you were referring to but if they don't call me and we don't work steps together we're not relating right. so we obviously are having trouble relating somehow so maybe i do need to tell them like hey uh, and, and I'll say, you know, self-centeredly, a lot of the times when I have that conversation, it's because I don't want to sh- have to show up at their anniversary and either make up bullshit or say the truth, which is, hey, you haven't done anything for the last year. So I, I like to preemptively have that conversation like, uh, hey, you're not working steps and I don't really feel like your sponsor. What should we do about this? Like, yeah. let's address this together. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Do you... I- 
I'm sitting here second guessing myself, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, do you show up and give people their medallion and just say kind things, or? Uh, I mean, I say the truth. I don't think I would say anything that's not the truth. Right. I wouldn't. I don't make shit up or blow smoke up their ass. Okay. It's just hard because but it's I like, have, yeah, I've been that, and it is awkward. Yeah. Well, I try to say the truth too, but I've said it's so hard to say. Hey, I really have high hopes that you get more involved in step work this next year. It's like supposed to be a celebration, and I feel like a downer when I'm like coming in at the end, like, "Yay, you got clean time!" But let's hope you actually do some work in the future because you're yeah. not like that. Just feels like such a shitty thing to do, and I don't want to. But I also don't want to be fake and be like, "Oh, it's so great." Well, and I, again, this is one of those like judgments, and I make it too. But is is doing work? Does that only count as formally writing on steps or is there work we can do in other areas and you know again what are that depends too like what are people doing in their lives i would say there's work that can be done all over for me at least i believe that but generally if i'm not making the conscious regular effort to write about my life i'm probably not going in the you know walking up the down escalator direction like, usually I'm getting a little stagnant, and it might be slower at some times than others, depending on how much work I'm doing. But I got to do some kind of self-reflection, or, or I'm not... No, maybe you're only working on outside shit, you know? Yeah, is that be. necessarily terrible? Uh, I mean, for me it is. Don't get me wrong. Like, for I, my I spiritual don't condition, for me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> for my spiritual condition, it's not good. Yeah, but. I might make lots of money and, and, like, take nice vacations that year. Who knows, right? But, yeah, for my spiritual situation... Yeah, and it's it is a, there is a weird thing with and sponsorship plays into this of like, is the guy that comes around for twenty plus years and hasn't really worked the steps, you know, but has what on the outside would appear as a good life? Like, is that person really working the program or not? You mm. know, I don't know. There's been a lot of time where I've said no, right. you know, where I've felt pretty wholeheartedly no but then i've seen plenty of people come in and work the steps and not stick around and go get high so you know is the guy that sticks around for 20 years and doesn't work any steps and slowly makes whatever incremental maybe if any improvements in their life you know i don't know again it's a judgment that you know i i at times have made that i feel less privileged to make now well, the old sponsorship pamphlet says they are not generally happy, so yeah. they are not one and of the winners. And their quality sucks. Right. Yeah, they're not winners. <laughs> I guess they're losers. It doesn't say that, but I guess yeah. they're losers. Uh, so one of the things in that conversation with the gentleman on Instagram, uh, I think his name was Droog or something like that, uh, he was talking about not writing a step for some other flawed individual to read. Like, that was his initial reaction to the post that I kind of was like, ah, oh, that's not how I see it, right? Hmm. But okay. Um, and so not writing a step for some other flawed individual to read. And it just made me wonder, like, do people even know how this generally works? Because my sponsor has never once read my step. Like, we go over it together. I read what the fuck right. I wrote. Nobody else ever reads it. I've never once handed my step to a sponsor and they read it. Like, that's well, not, not only that, who do they got that's not flawed in their life? I mean, right. therapists, counselors, priests, all those fucking people mm. are flawed, too. That's a good point. And, and I never did get down to like, hey, who's your guide? And so that's kind of for the people who aren't in the fellowship. That's I look at this even in the fellowship as my sponsor is a guide in life. It's like a mentor right. kind of thing, right? It's that situation. And I think anything we go into in life, 
people find a mentor, right? If you're an artist, you probably found an art teacher in your college that you really liked that became your mentor. Or if you're, you know, a business person and went into business, you aspire to be like this one business person that teaches courses on how to successfully run businesses. And they've opened up a lot of businesses. Or, you know, I know my my therapist uh, friends all have you know, people they aspire to be. They love Brene Brown. They love Yalom because he's great with group work. They love, you know, all these different names. It's like we all have these kind of mentor guide figures in our life. It's not a strange concept. We just call them a sponsor in a, in a 12-step recovery community, and they happen to know about recovery, not business or art or therapy. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, for me, my sponsors have never been, like, gurus or whatever they've never been like the end-all be-all of the direction of my life they've just been people that i've been able to go to and talk to about maybe issues i have going on someone that i can share with someone that i can relate with maybe they have some insights and some guidance or some things i could try um but it's not been like a case where it's like i just go ask what i should do they tell me what i should do and i just go do that you know it's they've just been another like helping hand along the way of this process um for me and i usually try to explain this to people like in sponsorship like i am just guiding someone along their path you know what i mean like recovery is their path it's not i'm not leading them on my path because my path might not be for them right you know i'm helping them just stay on their path and sort of keep them from going way off course and shooting off the mountain but the road they go on is theirs and uh with that i feel like two things happen one i don't really get to necessarily take credit for their successes because they're the ones doing all the work all i'm doing 90 percent of the time is showing up and listening and trying to be compassionate and it does help me a lot and two i don't have to take responsibility for their failures you know (laughs) what i mean if i have a sponsee that comes in doesn't do what they need to do you know, doesn't put the work into change and then goes out and relapses. I mean, I feel bad for them, but I don't feel responsible for them. You know, I don't, if they don't do the work, it's not my responsibility to make them do it, you know? Right. So right. they reap the benefits of their action. They get their all the praise and reward, but they also get all the responsibility too. See, I take that same idea into sharing a meeting. And like when it's uh, when it's a great, great fucking meeting, I don't take any credit for it. I'm like, oh, you know, I prayed. That was God speaking through me. Thank God. You know, it's all him. And that way, when I bomb, ah, fuck it. God sucked tonight. It's not my <laughs> fault, right? <laughs> like, I don't get to take any credit for that. Um, so that's I don't know. That's interesting though. I, I guess I'm just a little blown away that people aren't familiar with the idea of having a guide or mentor in their life. Like who? doesn't have that and if you don't maybe that's something to evaluate honestly like i've tried to look for outside of uh you know na i've tried to look in to having a mentor type person in the rest of my life too at different times and it's harder than you realize to reach out to people and have them sign up for this this position right because people are busy and it's not it's very interesting it's almost like uh in medieval times like this is how trades worked right? Like you wanted to become a smith and so you apprenticed underneath somebody and you learned from them until you honed your craft and you got better yeah. and uh, I just I think that's how like every trade should kind of work and we should all do that in our business. Oh, you're a teacher? Find a teacher that fucking you really respect the way they do things and learn from them or you're a doctor? Do the same thing or 
And in recovery, do the same thing. Find somebody that you really respect how they live their life and try to emulate that. Right. And if you're new in recovery or a family member, like understand like all that sponsor is is to help them in this recovery program part of their life. You know what I mean? That sponsor can't necessarily help them find a job or help them mm. get an apartment or you know maybe they do maybe they don't but that's you know that's not really what their primary role is you know right their primary role is just to kind of help them find their way through this you know whatever the recovery program is whether it's na or aa or you know one of the other programs like the sponsor really that should be their lane you know what i mean like their lane is probably best suited to that program not all aspects of the person's life, you know. So if mm. you're just getting out of treatment or you have a loved one that's getting out of treatment, you know, your sponsor isn't the one you should be expecting to come pick you up and take you to meetings and give you money when you need it and take you out to eat and make sure you get a job. <laughs> like It's right. not a sponsorship in a financial way or in those kind of ways. So I, and, and I think the interesting other side of that is if you are a family member or somebody, you know, that struggles with a family member – that struggles with addiction that you can go get a sponsor yourself and find out how to be good at that. Right. You want to know how to be a good supportive family member. That's not an enabler, but still loves and supports somebody in the best way. There's places to go for that. There's obviously Al-Anon and Naranon are the big two that stick out to me. I know there is some sort of uh, fellowship or program for, for family members or people, loved ones of people who, you know, struggle with sex addiction. I know that's out there. I don't know the exact name of it or where it's located. I have heard of it before, though. It does exist. Uh, and there's also local community groups. We have Maryland Coalition of Families nearby us that, you know, has people that have information about how to support these loved ones who are struggling. And so if you want, you know, to find mentorship or, or how to be a better person like that, that's out there, too. And I, I think that's hugely useful and beneficial for everybody yeah and interestingly enough in that the one aa pamphlet i read i think it was 15 questions about sponsorship they talk specifically about that the sponsor's role is to talk to family or, or part of that role right. is to talk to family members and reach out to the family members if it's applicable and explain what the program is and what's going on and maybe some resources for the family, you know, connected to these other programs, the Al-Anon or Alateen, um, and let them know what other resources are out there for them, but also what's involved with the program itself. Um, I've heard all kinds of funny stories about people telling their families, you know, all kinds of shit. Oh, the program tells me, you know, I got to pay these dues. So, mom, you need to give me 20 bucks a week because I got to pay 20 bucks a week to be a part of the fellowship. Hell yeah. Or, you know, I need to go out to these events and we're going to be out till one or two in the morning, at least two or three days a week, you know, <laughs> like shit like that. That isn't really true, you know. Right. It's just stories they make up. So, you know, I don't know. Interesting. I never heard that in Narcotics Anonymous. I've never heard that presented that way, but. I was definitely, at one point in time, before I ever got here, I was getting money for my parents to go to bowling and shit with all y'all crazy addicts, uh, and I was definitely just using that to get high with, so <laughs> oh, it I does mean, as a As a sponsor, I've never, I've heard of that oh, happening. Oh. <laughs> I've never heard of a sponsor, like, I've never felt as a sponsor, my responsibility should go be to talk to a spouse or a family member right. of someone that I sponsored. I think it's interesting in, uh, 
just the different dynamics of all the different people I've sponsored. Like it's never the same. Hmm. There's no two sponsorship relationships I've had with sponsees that has been the same. Like over time, they've all been just a little different or a lot different, right? Some people I do end up meeting their families and I go to, you know, family uh, surprise birthday parties and shit like that. Like that has happened. I know some people's children, right? Some people, I know them because I see them at the meeting and we go over steps together and I don't ever get introduced to their families. And like none of that's wrong, I don't think. It's all just how the, the bond forms, depending. Yeah. yeah, I've definitely got to know people's families over the years. Um, I guess I was more specifically the way they were, at least in the AA one, is like for a brand new person coming like in. seek them out. Like you would go, yeah, you would then go, hey, let me go meet your spouse and your family right. so that I can tell them what we're doing and what's going on with this program and, you know, maybe some resources for them as like a, like a early, I don't want to call it intervention, but like an early step, you know, in the recovery process. It is interesting for sure, like, yeah. I've only ever met family members, like, say, over time, you build a relationship, they know you've been friends for a while, so they might right. invite you to a thing or a party or a, you know. Whatever. Yeah, that's definitely, I've never I've never sought out anybody's family. Like, when they first asked me to sponsor them, it's not like, hey, take these two pamphlets, write about it, and then give me your family's phone number so I can call them and tell them about you. <laughs> so as a sponsor, have you ever been asked to go to court for someone or write letters for people for court? Have I? No, I don't think I have. I did ask a guy to show up in court for me one time, and he did not. And I was highly disappointed because he was a pretty good buddy of mine. And he was like, I don't show up in court for anybody. And uh, mm. hurt my feelings. Yeah. Would you? I think so. It would definitely depend on situation to situation. Um, I mean, if we if they were you know somebody that really established a relationship with me and I, I felt... I could vouch for I would do my best uh I mean if there's somebody who you know asked me to sponsor them and then eight months later I heard from them again and they wanted me to go to court for them I, <laughs> I don't know that I'd have much to say in the court yeah what, so, have you done that yes but it was it was almost the mix of those two things so it was someone who came in had some court stuff was around for several months like kept in contact with me on a regular basis I think we even did some step work at one point and then he had some court coming up and I it was less than a year but it was several months and we had actually gotten pretty close in that time and then it's like it almost felt like right after court and he got out of whatever he needed to get out of he didn't see stop coming around and stuff mm. called and then he invited me to his wedding I think a year or so later which was weird because I hadn't really talked to him much ever since then right but at the time i think he was still he was still you know abstinent or clean but i don't think he was working any kind of program and it did it felt a little bit like being used i don't know if that was his real intention or not but that's what it felt like it felt like oh i get it your lawyer told you to come to meetings and get involved and so he did and he did all the stuff and like i said i didn't feel like the effort that he put in was disingenuous but as soon as he got the outcome that he wanted he stopped doing any work, stopped doing anything. I've seen so many people, you know, when they finish their 18 months probation or (laughs) whatever it is that they need to see through. And I don't, I don't think that they were insincere. Like you said, I don't think they were just insincere on purpose the whole time, but I think that oversight leaves and they're like, well, I could do one to celebrate that or whatever it may be. You know, I don't have to go through all these hoops anymore. And there's a freedom in that. And unfortunately, it's actually not a freedom, right? It just doesn't lead to that kind of freedom. Um, what do you think about sponsoring people who are, who have more time than you? How weird is that? Would you ask somebody with less time than you to sponsor you? 
I've I've seen it happen. Uh, I think I would. I know of someone who has. Um, I wouldn't necessarily care about the amount of time. No, I think um, <sighs> ego. Of course, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, but I've never done it. Like I don't, and right, no one with more time than me has ever asked me to sponsor them. So I don't know. When I've seen it, it's been close. It's like yeah. you know, one had twenty four, one had twenty two, or something, and they were real close. It was only like a year apart. Um. But it, it just, I don't know, I've always thought, I, I have struggled enough to ask anybody to guide me, right? Like, I've already got an ego problem where it's like, oh my god, i got to think this person knows something I don't, right? Like, is that possible? Uh, and so, I just can't imagine asking somebody with less time. It would hurt my feelings, I think. I really, or younger. I think younger would fucking bother me, too. I, I really do. I think it's got to be somebody yeah, a that's little right. older. Younger would probably bother me more than... Less time. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Huh. I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting. Would you ever consider a female sponsor for yourself? I know you say you avoid the sponsoring women. No. I mean, again, it, that might change if I was in a different area or I had a limited access to men right. that could sponsor me. But right now, I would say no. I don't, I don't think it would be healthy. Why? Um... Well, this is where we get into the sexist shit that I'm going to probably get in trouble for. But Maybe I we shouldn't go here, though. But I there are different experiences <laughs> that men have that women have. Right. I, I personally believe just in in my understanding, whatever, as ignorant and uneducated as it might be, that I have a tendency of in my nature to focus on certain aspects of living that I think are predominantly male, being a provider, being the, you know the main, you know, breadwinner of my household, um, being responsible for, like, the security, whatever you want to call it, aspect of our household. Like, there are certain aspects of my relationship with my wife, and then she's way better at other aspects of, like, the emotional support for our kids. And it's not that I can't learn to be one or the other, but the things that I struggle with in those areas tend to be different than the things that she struggles with in those areas. And while I will 1,000%, why don't I keep saying 1,000% that doesn't <laughs> yeah. even fucking exist? Anyway, I agree with that, right? But so if, if you struggle in some areas that maybe generally speaking, you know, not to stereotype any one individual, but generally speaking, maybe women are better at th- those areas. Wouldn't it make sense to have a woman sponsor to help you get better in those areas that you struggle in? Like another man, according to that, thinking is going to also struggle in those areas and so how is he going to help you with it well it's an application of principles like Mm. it's not you know like and this is again this is where i get myself in trouble i think it's there are certain things in my nature that are not going to change you Mm. know what i mean i can change the it's almost like we talked about with the defects like i can change my actions but i can't change the thinking or the feelings behind that you know, I learned to recognize and identify, hey, this is what you're doing. Hey, let's try this instead. Um, I think that, you know, that's where another male perspective is going to help more. Hmm. So are there some thoughts in you can change and some you can't? Is that where you believe that some things, some of your thinking you can change, but some thinking just is never going to go anywhere? You can only change the actions or you can't change any thinking. Um, I mean, well, I think 
through repetitive action, you change thinking. Like okay. that's a what's that neuroscience? Like where through if you keep doing the same action, eventually your cognitive part changes too. Right. Um, I think again the the difference being I can talk to my wife like I and I respect my wife and her recovery to the hilt. I don't think it's you know, it's not a matter of less or better or anything like that. If anything, she's got the best recovery of anybody that I know. You know what I mean? Right. She has whatever more recovery than anybody that I know. I won't argue with Billy on this. an application of these principles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there isn't anyone that I think understands them deeper. So I don't think some man is, is in a way better. It's not a better sense. It's just to help me apply them in my life in a way that I can find incredibly useful on a daily basis because her and I have conversations and I'm just like, what? You know what I mean? Like I just, my brain doesn't seem to work in the same way that hers does on certain, maybe it can learn them. I'm really trying. There's certain, like say there's certain aspects of this thing that she's really great at that I just miss every time and I keep talking to her about it (laughs) and keep trying to learn it. So what other thoughts? Is there anything else about sponsorship that you feel like we haven't? I mean, I know we did a lot of the pamphlets. I want to call them brochures as if we're trying to sell shit or something. But I know we touched on a lot of the pamphlets. Is there any personal sponsorship kind of information that you feel like we've neglected or missed or anything that pops up? Um, Well, only that it's like every other relationship and you'll get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And if you have a sponsor that you don't call that much or you don't use that much or you don't see that much and you don't maintain that relationship, you probably won't find it all that beneficial. And it may seem weird, like, why do I even need a sponsor? Um, But if you have a relationship with someone that you admire and respect and you keep in touch with that person, you know, and you keep in regular contact, you know, that is going to make that relationship really worthwhile and beneficial. Um, I had a sponsor explain to me early on, like one of the reasons that consistent contact is, is sort of needed is that I don't ever know when shit's going to hit the fan. You know what I mean? I don't ever know when things are going to go completely sideways. So if I'm not in a regular communication with my sponsor, I mean, I've had, you know, friends or whatever find out either their wife was cheating or Mm. they were cheating and got caught by their wife and now they're getting thrown out and their whole family's fucking disrupted and all this other stuff well if you have a sponsor that you haven't talked to in four months and they have no idea what the fuck's going on in your life and all of a sudden you know you're thrown out because you're cheating or your wife's cheating and your life is in disarray how likely are you to want to call this person hey i know i haven't talked to you in months and you probably didn't know but i was having this affair and mm. no, 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 no. <laughs> like, you know what i mean like that's just gonna this is probably gonna be more awkward than it is beneficial and how prepared are they without right. knowing any of that and having it dropped in their lap to give you any useful guidance like it's right. going to be more of a shock situation of like oh my fucking god right like right. they're going to be so floored by it they won't be in a place where they're ready like and and not that you know, look, I've sponsored guys that, that, you know, cheat, whatever you want to call it. We, we can dress it up with some other words, but, you know, that step outside their relationship. And knowing that gives me when the time comes, because it's probably going to, they're probably yeah. going to get caught. It's just, you know, it happens. Right. I'm ready for that. Like, I'm ready to say, hey, okay, well, this is what's been going on. We were kind of prepared that this was going to happen someday. We've had that conversation already that <laughs> right. this will probably end up this way if we don't stop, right? So 
it's just not as jarring of an experience for all parties involved. And you're right. You're, you're more likely to just call in general. If you haven't talked to them, why would you bother then? Right. Um, I would say for me, I definitely, you know, don't. I sponsored probably for the wrong reason, like we addressed in that, that pamphlet. Like, uh, don't do it for that reason. Um, it's not my responsibility if people stay clean or not, but I do care. Uh, it's going to hurt. I've had some sponsees die. That fucking sucks, right? It's it's not a fun thing to deal yeah. with. Um, good reason for me to stay in touch with my sponsor so that when those kind of feelings come, I have people to call. Um, I do subscribe to having one particular sponsor in name, but I use... Lots of people that I value and respect. I say lots. When I mean lots, I mean like five or less. But I yeah. use them all as people I can go to with my shit. I don't just rely on this one sponsor for everything in my life. I have a lot of guides, right? And I, I like to get all their opinions on things. And sometimes guides are people I really, really respect and, and mentor. And sometimes it's just people, you know, that I, I care about. Right. They don't always I don't always think of them like, oh, my God, you're the most spiritual person I know. Guide me in this situation. It's just like, well, what's your input? What do you got? I don't know. I'm willing to take anything. Yeah. Um, there was one more thing I thought of and I lost it that quick. <laughs> yeah. Did you have something to interject real quick? Uh, no. I mean, like I say, I've, I've found sponsorship relationships have been probably the, the greatest areas of growth for me, personal growth mm-hmm. and otherwise, um, on things to do and things not to do. I've had a couple sponsors that aren't around anymore and have relapsed. And being close with those people has helped me to learn, too. Like, hey, what happened to them? Why did that – how did they get in that situation? And how the fuck can I avoid that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, because for most of them it didn't end up well. Or for the ones, you know, I kept in touch with, it didn't end up well. Right. And so, I I don't know. I guess whatever I had wasn't all that important. It's just, you know, I think it's important that we seek out people in our life that can help us. And and we look to people that inspire us or or show us, you know, something that we're looking for in our life. And we go and ask them and talk to them about how to get to that place. Because that's what I'm looking for, is to improve and to get to a place where I see somebody else is trying to get to as well, right? They they don't have to be, oh, that's the exact point I was getting to. For a long time, it was that they had to be, like, above me, honestly. And and I felt like it was an above-me situation. You're my sponsor. You're way up there on that mountain, right? Hmm. I don't look at it that way as much anymore. There's still a tiny little bit to that, but not as much. It's it's a lot more like, hey, man, you're, you're just another person that's, like, at the place I'm at where we're trying to seek out this better thing and you can help point my shit out, right, that I can't see because I'm too close to it. So you don't have to necessarily be above me to help me. You can be right where I'm at living the same kind of life and you can still see my shit better than I can. Right. Yeah, and that's just it. I mean, I think that's important. Like, I I don't look at it as above or but Like, we're all equal here and I'm not any better. I don't want that responsibility. I mean, it's just like saying, you know, I work in an oil business, so I can probably tell you a ton of shit about HVAC and oil stuff that you don't know. And that doesn't mean that I'm better than you because I know about this particular thing. You know what I mean? Like I just have information in this particular area that because of what I do or how I've lived the last 20 years of my life. So, you know what I mean? It's And recovery is the same way. It's like I just – I have this information because I've lived this way for a while and I've had some experiences that I can share with others. The very last thing, and I won't try – tie this up too much we talked about it a little bit um but was this idea of group sponsorship and that like you're and it was in the aa pamphlet they talked about it was uh having like your your 
home group or your group be responsible for helping newcomers or new people uh, with sponsorship? And by that, I mean like somebody that's brand new, maybe they're coming out of treatment or never been to a meeting before, that your group have some sort of plan, if you want to call it, of action or, or process for, for dealing with that. I know in this area we tend to say, hey, who's new? And they say they're new, and we say, oh, great, here's a phone list with some you know, meeting list with some phone numbers on it or whatever, and then you hand that to the person and say, hell, nice to see you, and walk away. But this was more of a, like, your group should have an action plan for that kind of thing. Maybe you talk to them about what the program is, what a sponsor is, you know, coming to more meetings, make sure they have a way to get to meetings and making sure that they're connected with the program. And I thought thinking of that as, like, group sponsorship was kind of a neat neat idea it definitely is and some of the ideas they had in there of like you know sponsors people who are available for sponsorship raising their hands having newcomer type meetings that are based on you know the first few steps or or just new principles like this is something a lot of the other programs i've seen do um we don't do it quite so much in, in na which is interesting but i've seen in some other places like debtors anonymous where it's like they take 15 minutes and address the newcomer or Al-Anon has some meetings where it's just newcomer meetings and they only have experienced members kind of answer questions in a, in a crosstalk type format, what we would refer to as crosstalk. Um, and, and, you know, just having these kind of things, some of it is stuff we do already, but it's interesting to think that it's more of our responsibility. I've always looked at, and I think it says it in our group pamphlet that, you know, sponsorship is the responsibility of the group in some way, shape, or form. I've always, my groups have always looked at that as, we need to help you find a sponsor if you're struggling with that, right? We need to push you towards it. And we'll we'll ask in group conscience, hey, have you found one yet? Like, if not, we, we're planning on having one for you by next month <laughs> if you don't. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of pushy, but at the same time, I, I think it's useful, personally. Yeah, right. I, I think it is kind of the group should help us mm-hmm. along with that. Interesting. So, I think we've thoroughly beaten sponsorship for today. I say that, and then we'll have a long list of people's ideas that (laughs) are way better than what we thought of (laughs) that we'll talk about next week. Um, Supposedly, next week, we're going to talk to a guy from Smart Recovery. So, that's exciting. That'll be more. I don't know a whole, whole lot about that. Um, And he's kind of got some uh, not-so-into-the-A-programs sort of thing yeah i know i kind of i don't want to do too much of that but i'm a little excited to talk about that um and so we'll look forward to that and we'll see you guys next week everybody stay safe out there if you enjoyed this podcast please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation look us up on facebook twitter and instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us we'd love to hear it